This is the Let's Get Real Estate Show with your host, Danielle Chason. Full-time investor, strategic consultant, motivational coach, sought-after speaker, and host of your number one real estate investing show, Let's Get Real Estate, where real people are doing real estate. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Let's Get Real Estate podcast. I am Danielle Chason, and I'm excited today because... Today we're dropping bombs, truth bombs, and I think it's going to be an eye-opener for a lot of people out there today, especially if you bought into the old uh, adage of, you know, go to school, get your education, get married, buy a house, work hard for 30, 35, 40 years, pay your house off, and then go into a nice cozy retirement. That doesn't work anymore, guys. Kelly Wagner is on today. She is going to explain why that doesn't work. And she's going to actually explain, share a little story about how um, her grandmother made her realize that. Guys, you don't want to miss this show. We're going to talk about um, how to overcome that belief and what to do about it and how to create a sustainable retirement. I hope y'all enjoy the show today. Thank you for jumping on. Again, don't forget to click the like, share, uh, subscribe button, and that notification bell so you can get notice, notified when we send out the next podcast. I hope y'all enjoy the show today. Thanks for joining and enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. This is Danielle Chason, your host of the Let's Get Real Estate podcast, and this is where real people are doing real estate. And today we have our special guest, Kelly Wagner. And uh, I just want to welcome Kelly to the show. Woo woo. Hey, Kelly. What's up, girl? Hey, Danielle. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on and sharing your story. I'm super excited to get started with you. Uh, we got a topic that we don't hear a lot about. Um, because I think it's poo poo. People don't want to like acknowledge the truth. So we're going to be like dropping the truth today, the hard truth. Uh, but before we get started, I do want to say thank you to the listeners for jumping on and, uh, being loyal to the show and trusting me and my guests to share some information about real estate. And if you're liking what you're hearing, if you don't want to miss, um, an upcoming podcast, make sure you hit like, hit the notification bell. Uh, share if you think there's anybody in your circle that could benefit from hearing what we have to say. And uh, of course, I'll remind you about that later on in the show again. But until then, Kelly, hey girl, I want you to tell, I want you to share a little bit about yourself with the audience so that um, everybody can know who is Kelly Wagner. Sure. Um, let me see. Where do I begin? I uh, well, my my degree is in business. Um, I'm born and raised in Waterloo, Ontario. I went to university here for business, and um, I have one son who is just turned 22, which blows my mind. But uh, um, yeah, I worked in financial services for a number of years, uh, and that's one of the things that we're going to be talking about today. Is kind of what we learn and teach in the financial services industry. Uh, and then I got into real estate investing about almost six years ago now. I'd wanted to do it for a long time, but um, never gotten into it. And uh, I've had a very exciting, game-changing six years. <laughs> so and I'm, I'm that's a nutshell. And I'm excited to hear all about it. Um, now, you know, the interesting thing, you mentioned final, financial services. And, you know, it's, it's mind-blowing to me that people 
come into the real estate industry, people with a legit career. Now you did that for a long time, right? How many years were you in financial services? Nine years. Nine years. And so, I mean, that was legit a career. It was something that you knew and understood and did very well. Could have easily kept moving on. Um, I do know that you owned your own home. You could have kept moving on doing what you were doing and, you know, probably paid off your house and gone into retirement, um, owning your own house, which is typically kind of the story that we're taught in this society here in the Western side of the world that, you know, you go to work, you know, go to school, sorry, go to school, then go to work, get a career, buy a house, get married, um, and then pay off that house before retirement so that you can live off of a pension. I mean, that sounds to me that that was your story. And it's interesting that people keep shifting. Everybody keep coming into real estate and they're shifting. And why is that? People that are engineers are coming into real estate, financial services into real estate. Like I just, it blows my mind that people are leaving everything they've worked so hard to get and then moving into real estate. Um, and this is where we're going to talk about owning your primary home is just not enough. Absolutely. And I think some of the reason more and more people are getting interested in real estate is partly just because of, you know, freedom of freedom of information. We've always had freedom of information, but access to information um, has just become so much more prolific on the Internet. And so, you know, it's easier to read and learn about these things. Uh, and people are, are figuring out, you know, for different reasons and from different paths that what they're doing is often not enough to get them to their goals. And that's similar to, you know, my story and how everyone comes to this decision is, is different path. But I had always, um, I wanted to get into financial services originally, because my family, we didn't, I didn't grow up with a lot of money. Um, we were okay. It was never like, you know, we had to go to the food bank or anything like that. But, you know, sort of uh, lower middle class kind of housing and um, the rest of it, you know, I started working in high school, just so I could have some extra spending money, because there wasn't there wasn't money for extras like lessons and, you know, sports and things like that growing up. So I always wanted to do better. And that's one reason I went to university for business. I thought, well, I'm going to figure out how, <laughs> how to do this better. And I majored in finance and marketing and business. And then I went on to um, start working for a private wealth management firm. Um, it was just one financial advisor when I first started. And then over the nine year period I was there, we, we grew, you know, we merged with some other businesses. And by the time I left, we had like 10 advisors and about 20 support staff on the team doing private wealth management for people. And at that time, um, we were in the mutual funds world. Um, the, the firm at the time wasn't IROC registered to allow us to do individual stocks and things like that. So it was just mutual funds, seg funds, insurance, you know, disability insurance, life insurance, kind of the whole financial planning package um, is what we did. But, you know, my first curveball, I guess, that kind of came and I was, you know, I was saving a little bit every month, you know, I had a, the job I had progressed over the years. So I progressively earned more and more, obviously. Um, and I was doing the right things, you know, saving money into RSPs for the first little while, until um, my ex husband and I split up when our son was just like 13 months old. So I had just been back to work. Maternity leave was six months at the time. And so I had just gone back to work part time. And when we split up, I realized like, okay, my financial picture has just changed drastically, right? <laughs> Here's kind of a crossroads. 
Um, and so the reality is, you know, on a single income, I just wasn't making enough to do that, you know, extra RSP savings. So, you know, I was, I was getting by and we were fine and we had like a decent life, but I just didn't have um, any extra. And so about a year after we split up, I took in a tenant into my basement. Um, she was a student at the university locally. And that was great. Um, and then after she moved out, my sister moved in with us and she actually ended up renting from us for seven years. Um, but, you know, she was renting in the basement. She shared our, you know, the kitchen. She didn't, we didn't have a separate entrance or anything like that, but it worked out well. And that was, you know, one of my first inklings that, wow, this, you know, tenant thing is a good idea. This is a great source of extra income. And it really did help out. And I even looked into at one point, um, you know, could I convert, could I put an actual suite into my place so that she had a, you know, completely separate space. She had her own bathroom, but like I said, we shared a kitchen and entrance and all the rest of it. Um, and I couldn't do that for zoning and, you know, the lot wasn't big enough for setbacks and parking and all the rest of it. But I just didn't have any idea how I could possibly get into real estate because I had no extra money. And really the turning point for me um, came at one point, you know, I was in my early forties at the time and zero dollars in savings you know my ex and i had a little resp account for in savings for our son for his post-secondary education but i had nothing towards my retirement savings and i had gone to visit my grandmother um who was in her 90s at the time she passed away uh, when she was 96 actually um but in her 90s i went to visit her on one sunday afternoon and she you know pulled out her um, dinner from the fridge just to thaw it out that she was going to prepare for her dinner that night. She was, she's from the East coast and she was saying, you oh, know, I'm going to have a fancy seafood dinner tonight. And she took this package out of the fridge that I didn't even know that, uh, grocery stores did this, but I guess at the seafood counter when they're, you know, filleting the, the salmon, or whatever they're filleting, all the little bits that aren't big enough to sell as a whole fillet, they packaged that up and it was in this package. And I remember the price on it. Well, it was like $3 and something for this little package of fish bits. And I remember looking at that and just, you know, being both heartbroken uh, for my grandma at that time, that this was her fancy dinner in her nineties, you know, still living at home, cooking and, and cleaning for herself, but that's all she could afford. You know, she would shop at the you know, hey, eat it tonight, 50% off <laughs> shelf at the grocery store. And, you know, meanwhile, she had done all those right things, you know, that she was in a paid off house. Um, but she and my grandpa, my grandpa had passed away several years earlier, about 10 years earlier. And they didn't have a lot of money in their adult life either. You know, they had very modest uh, work. She had stayed at home with the kids. Um, and, so she was living off of a widower's CPP pension, which if anyone has anyone in your family that's on that, you know, it, it barely puts you at the poverty line. So, you know, she's in this paid off house living, you know, 30 plus years after retirement. And this is the food that she can afford. So, you know, because there's still there's property taxes, there's still gas for your car, there's medical expenses then at that point. And you can't you can't buy groceries with the paid off bricks from your house. So that was kind of a, a wake up call for me as well as being, you know, feeling sad for my grandma. I was also like, 
oh my gosh, like I need to do something different or this is going to be me. Um, because I was in my house and I was, you know, it had grown in value. Obviously I'd been in it for almost 18 years by that point. And, um, it had grown in value, but I, I was stuck. Like I had no extra money, all the money that I had, you know, and I, and I realized that even if I continue to work my butt off and by this point, I had actually left financial services by that point, And I had gone off to start my own business, um, as a independent business consultant. And I, I just realized that if I didn't change something, I, I was going to be going down the wrong stream. Um, but when you don't have the financial means, it's fine to know what you should do. Oh, I should be saving for retirement. I should be doing this, but, um, it doesn't always, it doesn't always work out that way. So, uh, that was kind of my one trigger and, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of how I got into it. <laughs> I'll take a breather. <laughs> that's that, that blows my mind, Kelly, because ultimately here you are, like, you know, you spend your entire life working hard, being loyal and dedicated to your career, uh, raising a family. And then in retirement, you are finding ways to scrape by with scraps that we would feed our cat. Like that's the food that people grab off the shelf to feed their cat. Like that's a cat treat. And your grandmother is eating that. That's what I, that's what I said. Like that's, she should, nobody should be eating cat food. That's what that stuff should be for. And ultimately that really highlights the harsh reality that we live in now that having a house is just not enough because the there is no additional income to enrich our quality of life or to keep our quality of life because our like she was 96 you said when she passed away our life expectancy is way 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 longer than 63 and so what you retire at and you get at 60 63 years old 65 when you start collecting your cpp like you said it barely gets you just above the poverty line and um trying to make that work and with potential inflation happening um, and other issues coming, like, it just is mind blowing. The cost of living just seems to be going up and up and up. And our wages and the pensions aren't keeping up. So it's not enough. And then you add the extra life expectancy on top of that. It's just not enough. And you might be a millionaire. Kelly, you were on the same path. You're, you own your own home, you're paying it off, you're supplementing a little bit of income by having your sister and, and a tenant live in the basement to help pay off the rent so that you could keep the, the, the uh, uh sorry pay off your mortgage so you could keep your house and then you're going to retire and you're going to legitimately be a millionaire with this house by the time you retire the value of your house goes up but you can't tap into that equity because nobody's going to lend it to you when you have no income to cover the mortgage payment or the loan that you're borrowing against and so there's all this equity in this home and and you can't you just can't tap into it and you're buying um like scraps, seafood scraps to make a meal. Like that is just terrible. So that is the harsh reality. And that's a reality that your grandmother thankfully showed you. And you had seen that. You saw that as a cue. You're like, wait a minute. It was a wake up call. So what challenges did you have then as a single mom with your own home, just trying to, you know, with a new business, by the way, you are also just struggling by with your business. So what challenges did you have? Because at that point you said, owning my primary residence isn't enough. 
I need to own multiple income properties to supplement my income in retirement. So what challenges were you faced with at that point to make it happen? Because I know there's a lot of people out there who would love to kind of cross over that threshold, but it's tough. Yeah, well, there are a lot of challenges for sure. And I will say that while, you know, and I'll speak to exactly what I felt those challenges were, but I also, um, you know, I think one thing I would say to people is whatever your challenges are, if you want to see yourself in a different situation, you have to get out there and create, find, build that other solution for yourself, right? It's not going to come to you if you continue sitting around, you know, watching TV every evening just to pass the time, you know, um, I took, I took a bit of a leap of faith at the time because I was doing, you know, I knew what to do. I knew the right things to do. Um, but I didn't have the means to do it. And, you know, what I saw was even people who were able to carve away, you know, some money to save every month, you know, yeah, every year and every quarter, you know, your financial advisor will point out to you the fund or funds or, you know, stocks that are doing particularly well that quarter. But what we see over the long run, statistically, is people with their their money in managed funds are typically earning somewhere from four to seven percent over the long term in their investment accounts. And when you account for inflation on top of that, I mean, there's just really not that much there. And I had actually done like, get this, there are periods of time, you can look statistically over uh, in the stock markets, where just based on when you get into the stock market, you know, it can deliver effectively flat returns over a 20 year period, there's been a couple of 20 year periods in the last 100 years, where if you got in, uh, you know, it, it would have taken you 20 years, like around the depression, for example, it would have taken you 20 years to actually get back to where you started from because the market, you know, went up, went down, but effectively leveled flat. So if that's the period when you're just, you know, heading into retirement or that's your prime savings period, it just might not be enough. We only had uh, our son's RESP at the time. And just for kicks, I did look back to figure out, I did the calculation to figure out, you know, we were just putting a small amount of money in every month, but in Canada, we have the Canadian education savings grant, which kicks in like a addition of 20%. They'll match what you put in. If I put in a hundred dollars, they'll put in $20 to match that. And I remember when we opened the account, we figured, well, worst case scenario, even if the fund does nothing, we're going to be up 20% because of the, the grant money. And my son was 16 at the time when I did this calculation. And based on the amount that we had put in there, including the savings grants, um, and over that time period, which he, he was born in 99, we started it then, so through the dot-com bubble, um, after 16 years, we were only up 2.6%. 2.6. That's with the grant. So effectively, wow. the fund had lost money. Wow. And this was in just a slow and steady wins the race kind of a fund. It wasn't like an aggressive, you know, hey, let's just go for broke here. Let's put it in something risky. Um, so that, you know, that was another wake up call. And that's the thing is like, you know, you spoke to like, the, what are the challenges when you're in this situation? Okay, savings isn't working. The job isn't working. Having a paid off house isn't going to serve me in this case. What do I do when you're doing what? all the people in the smart financial world are telling you that's what I learned to do in the financial services industry. 
Um, it's what the entire, you know, North American culture teaches you. So the first challenge for sure is just like finding a way, like what are some different ways, you know, who can I learn this from? Cause nobody I know was doing it. I mean, I knew a couple of people sort of second and third hand that had some investment properties, but not well enough that I, you know, could really ask them or, you know, I didn't know how well they were doing at it. You know, not that you wanted to get coached by someone, you don't know what their track record is. So, you know, the first challenge is finding people that can show you another way and can teach you. And so that's where I, you know, got both fortunate, but also took a leap of faith. Um, like I said, I had been running my own business and I saw a job opportunity posted with um, a real estate education company. I'm happy to give a shout out because they taught me everything I know and or were the start of teaching me everything I know. Um, it's Keyspire. It's a Canadian company. Um, and I, I approached them for a job opportunity that I saw posted, um, which was not the job I ended up getting, actually, they, based on my resume and my work experience. They had a position on their education and sales team um, on their workshop. So they had a three day you know, education workshop at the time. And I was able to go and work on and with that team and kind of learn as I went exactly how to do this from some of the very best people in the business. So um, I ended up traveling with them on that uh, team across Canada over the next four years. So um, I really was able to completely immerse myself in the knowledge and gaining the expertise and the lessons of how to do this and how to do it right when you're learning from the best people. So, you know, I think the first challenge certainly is just doing something different than what everyone else is doing, because everyone is afraid of what they don't know. And if you're talking with people who, you know, aren't doing real estate and you're saying, you know, hey, I'm thinking of getting into this thing. Here I was. And I was literally planning to sell my house to get at the equity in it. I mean, part of it was I wanted a lifestyle change at that time. You know, I'd been in the house, you know, my, my ex and I bought that house together. And I thought, you know, this is a time for a fresh start. I'm going to just get some new digs and uh, and get at this capital and get this going. And so if I was telling anyone else, if I wasn't in that circle of people that was doing real estate, you know, full time and exceptionally well, if I was telling my, my friends, yeah, hey, guys, I, I think I'm going to you know, sell my house to go invest in real estate. What do you think they would say? You know, not probably a whole lot of support there for most people. They want to protect you. They want to they don't if, if it's something that they don't understand, you know, they'd be worried sick <laughs> about me. So um that's definitely a challenge is, is having people around you that you can learn from, be supported by, um, and, uh, and who can kind of coach you into the right way of doing these things. And, you know, I, I love how you, um, so the challenge that I, you know, that I heard you say is that, you know, how, how do you, how do you do it when you don't know what you don't know? Right. And so, what happens is you saw that you saw the situation with your grandmother you knew you had to do something different. You were saving. It wasn't working. You were paying off your house. That wasn't helping. Um, you know, you bought into some mutual funds through the RESP that wasn't, you know, that wasn't getting you to where you wanted to go. And, you know, we, we all, we all have heard 
that um, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. So I love what you said is do something different, be drastic, do something drastic. And ultimately, that's what it takes in order to see a big change. You have to do a big move to see a big change. And you know, you did that. But how do you do that? Like when you don't know what you don't know. So the challenge is getting that education and getting the knowledge because other people are doing it, you know, it's out there. And I think now, like you said, with the information age that we're in right now, like it's readily available. People are on this podcast now hearing, Oh, okay, I could do this. I could do that. And so, um, and you ultimately house hacked. So you ended up selling your house, cashed out, um, the equity so that you could have the cash to do a burr on another property, right? And then so you just ended up burring a few properties. And then from there, you've grown, you've got multi units now going into development, um, doing development, I should say. And so like, you've really progressed over, I think, six years, was it? Almost six years. Yeah, almost. Yeah. So less than six years. I mean, that is really impressive. I think another challenge too, is the fear of doing it, especially like you said, when you have People, naysayers that are saying, no, that's not going to work. Why would you do that? You're risking everything. It's, it all tanks. What if you lose everything? And then they put all of this, these thoughts in your mind that just fester self-doubt. So how did you overcome that fear? Um, that was, again, through, you know, the network. I'll say, you know, over and over again, I think the biggest thing, um, if I had to pick only one factor, I mean, obviously there's gaining the knowledge of, you know, how to do it and how to properly evaluate investment opportunities, running the numbers, you know, there's all of that that absolutely is worth an investment in your education. Um, but building an additional support circle of friends, colleagues, um, you know, business connections that are doing the same thing, that was absolutely, I think, the linchpin in, in making sure that this thing worked for me. And again, I was fortunate because, you know, I was able to immerse myself completely in this, in this world by taking this job. Um, but you ad you definitely don't have to do that. I'm not advocating, you know, hey, quit your job and throw everything you know to the wind and just jump into this all in. Every situation is different. And I know lots of people, you know, probably the vast majority of people that did not do that, right? They're, they added it on the side, you know, working full-time jobs, you know, couples working full-time jobs um, and just wanting to add another income stream to their portfolio or realizing they're not getting ahead. But, you know, investing in yourself, in your education is huge, um, both you know, not just in dollars I'm talking about. Absolutely. Yeah. Spend some dollars on learning this. You know, we spend thousands and tens of thousands of dollars getting university degrees. And I don't, you know, education, I, education is great. Education will never do you wrong. Um, my degree got my foot in the door for, you know, a job that ultimately served me in, in different ways. Um, but I'm telling you, I've learned way more about actually how to succeed with my finances in the real world and by investing in education on, you know, tactical, tangible strategies um, versus the money that I spent on my university education. So um, not just time, but or, sorry, not just money, but also time, you know, invest the time if you don't have a lot of money, figure out what you can do to, you know, learn and not just from any any source right that's the 
the great advantage and the great confusion about the internet, you sure you can Google anything. And we had lots of people come to our our workshops saying, you know, thinking, yeah, well, I can figure this out how to do it myself now that I now that I kind of know the the rough nuts and bolts. But I mean, there are a million different voices out there on the internet. And um, so it's kind of sifting through that and curating, you know, the the best information from the people that are the most successful at it. You want to make sure you're learning from those people and, um, and balance it, right? Like, I mean, look at, listen to what other people are saying, and you have to kind of use your your just your senses, you know, to try and pick out, you know, of course, everyone is has got the best way figured out, right? Everyone's got it figured out. Um, but it's important to pay attention to, you know, what their approach is, what their, um, their strategy is, maybe their strategy doesn't work in your particular market. Um, and that does happen, you know, there's, every strategy that you can do in real estate doesn't work at every single stage of the market cycle in every single market across the country. You know, you have to, it it pays to invest in the knowledge. And I've had to do that too. I've had to pivot in the last few years because the, the areas that I were, I was investing in doing the, you know, buy, renovate, refinance and rent model, the Burr strategy. um, It's not, there's not enough margin in that, in the markets that I've been accustomed to. So learning how to, you know, build a team in other markets and get connections in other markets. Like I literally have, you know, through the Keyspire and through several other networks that I've since become a part of, um, I have access to expert teams pretty much anywhere that I would want to go and invest. So investing in yourself will always be a great investment, investing in your education, investing in your networks and build, build relationships. Like it does take some effort to get involved in some of these communities and get to know other people. Um, but I will say, you know, the people I've been fortunate enough to meet in in the circles of real estate that I've been part of, they're just some of the most kind, generous, you know, big hearted, um, philanthropic people I've, I've met ever. And I'm, I'm so fortunate to be part of it. I mean, you want to surround yourself with people that lift you up, and that are doing what you want to do and have had some success and just learn as much as you can from them and and help, help other people who are coming in behind you. And ultimately like, you know, which we're all in the same boat. We all are aiming for the same goal. And that is the mindset inside our community is that, Hey, let's help each other up. And so that we can get there faster. And I love how you say, so, you know, invest in yourself, get the knowledge you know, uh, it's invaluable. It is priceless. Um, so you do have to commit some time, invest some money in order to get that knowledge. And if you want to do a faster, you're right. A lot of people come into these networking rooms or come into these educational rooms and they don't further their education or their commitment, um, to investing into more. Um, and they say, well, I've got what I need. I can do it now. Well, ultimately what the, what the, there's two things that happen. Two things that happen when you do invest in yourself for knowledge and you hire a coach or, you, you know, you join uh, a, 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 a real estate group that does education and training. Um, ultimately, what happens is you overcome that fear, which is the one challenge that we were just talking about. But you also accelerate your progression like you're only six years in and you are already so much further ahead than some people have been doing it for 20 years. 
you know, and so if you want to accelerate, you said you started, I mean, you were in your early forties and, you know, ultimately like, what do you do? We wake up one day (laughs) in our forties and we go, holy crap, I'm going to retire soon. And I got no money in the bank. What am I going to do? And so that's what happens. That's what happens for a lot of us. And so, you know, you did that, you woke up and you went, whoa, I need to figure this out. And so getting that education not only quashes the fear because you gain confidence, um, but it also accelerates how quickly you can get there. So I'm happy that you said that. And I'll tell you why, because as you know, I do some coaching, consulting and training and all of that. And when it comes from me, it sounds self-serving, but that's how I started. And I've also, well, 2013 was when I started. So you know, I've only been in it for, you know, a decade or so. And so like, ultimately, I don't know, I guess I I just, everybody that has been successful has invested in themselves at some point and hired a coach or trainer or some sort of real estate group. And so that's really, I think, key to people kind of standing out above the rest. So, um, but the fear does overcome, or sorry, the knowledge does help overcome the fear and allow you the ability to pull the trigger. And I think that's the most important thing with overcoming that challenge. Yeah, absolutely. Knowledge and network negates fear, you know, not completely. I mean, to be to be totally transparent, still, even with all the supports and the connections and, and material and knowledge around me, in the first couple of years, it still was scary, right? My first few deals are still like, Oh my gosh, you know, it, it's, it is really scary. And that's all the money I had in the world. I didn't have a safety net. I didn't have anything to fall back on. I don't have family in the picture that could bail me out or, you know, I'm sure I have friends that could take me in, I'm sure put, put my son and I up on their couch, but obviously I didn't want to go there. Um, but it is still scary, but you know, I, and I've heard, we've all heard those sayings that, you know, courage is, you know, feeling the fear and doing it anyway. And that's exactly what it was for me. So hundred um, percent though, the more you learn and understand, the less the fear becomes. The more people around you that you can, you know, bounce ideas around and, and hear their stories, that reduces the fear as well. Um, and it's funny, you mentioned the concept of, you know, a retirement when, you know, part of what motivates us sometimes is the fear of, oh my gosh, I don't want that to be my future. But it's really interesting, like my concept of retirement now has changed entirely, right? I, you know, I sort of used to think that, you know, you save up to the certain point, and then you can go and, you know, just live your life peacefully. And I don't know, whatever, do do volunteer work or whatever it is you want to do. But now, I mean, when you find something that you really love to do, and that makes such a difference in your life and in other people's lives, like I, I, I don't think that I'll ever stop you know, doing this. I love renovations. I love construction. You know, I'm like I said, I'm moving into development now. Um, and I love that whole creative process. So I don't see my retirement as some kind of goal that I'm looking for way down the road. Um, to me, retirement just means complete financial independence. And I want to have that in my life now and live my life now as though I were retired. And, you know, real estate is one of my creative pursuits. Now, Um, you know, it's still my income source, obviously, one of my income sources, Um, I do some other things, but being able to get into this space and, you know, teaching my son, that was always kind of one of my motivations. Um, And I know yours as well, like teaching, it's a real passion of yours is to teach people young people, young adults, teenagers, money management, it's not taught in schools. Um, And certainly this 
way of approaching your personal financial health and your, you know, wealth and your um, financial well-being is definitely not taught in any schools that I'm aware of. So my son's just finished his uh, undergrad degree. He did a four-year undergrad degree in computer science with a minor in business. Uh, he's really excited to get into real estate. And that is something that really excites me. And so I'm just in the process now of developing um, some ideas and structures around the concept of, you know, what if we built starter homes for these young people? You know, we all know or have, you know, people that are just starting out looking to buy their first place. Um, and I think if we could teach people, you know, what if you bought a place with a, a income suite in it, buy a duplex for your first residence, you know, have a tenant in there, learn the property management process um, and build your wealth that way, you know, build yourself up so that once you've got enough money to buy a detached, you know, home, if that's what you want or a condo of your own or something like that. Um, now you've got an income property that can be another source of income generation. Um, and also, you know, teaching people just other creative, non-traditional financing strategies, you know, rent to own is something that I'm looking to build into some or all of the development stuff that I'm doing, which is just another way of purchasing property when, you know, with the price of construction materials and just the market price of housing these days where it's skyrocketed to more and more areas of the country are, are making it out of reach for people to buy a home um, or taking them a lot longer to save up the down payment that they need in order to get the financing. So being able to teach people and kind of slowly, hopefully shift the industry into being more comfortable and familiar with some of these different ways of structuring financing around a house for either new home buyers or, you know, downsizers or, you know, new Canadians. Um, there's all kinds of ways that we can help each other get a leg up. Um, and not, you know, I like the term giving people a hand up and not a hand out. So, you know, teaching people a different way to approach their, um, you know, retirement plan, their approach to home ownership, their approach to their savings, um, that stuff all really excites me. And so, yeah, my retirement is not coming anytime soon. <laughs> Lots of fun stuff to do. So. Well, and before we go, I just wanted to talk a little bit about that retirement, exactly what you said, you know, um, at the end of the day, you know, everybody kind of figures, okay, they're going to save and this and that. And then once they've retired, they kind of have a set date in their head or at least year when they're going to retire and maybe they can do it early. You know, that's the goal, you know, do it early instead of 65. Let's see if I can get it done at 60 or 55, even push the envelope. But you know, what happens is you have like, you're stuck on an income that you have no control over. And that goes up incrementally year over year and inflation, the value of that. I hate to say it handout. The value of that pension is every year going down and down. Like the buying power of that mark uh, of that money is actually going down every year because of inflation. And so um, I mean, we can talk about that. That's a whole nother day uh, of, for a different podcast. We can talk about that. But um, ultimately, when you have rental properties, this is what I want to kind of sign off on is when you have rental properties and every time there's a turnover, then it goes back up to market rents. So if somebody's been in your unit and they're 
paying uh, $1,500 a month. Three years later, they move out. Market rent now is maybe $1,675. Guess what? That goes up. Inflation does not eat at that. And as the value of your home appreciates, same thing, it doesn't eat up the value of your home. So you are maintaining income and you are also maintaining your wealth so that you can pass that on to your children and grandchildren after you're gone. So your disposable income goes up and it stays up so you can have that quality of life in retirement. I mean, there's so many people that I know that are in retirement that say they want to travel when they retired. And exactly that, they're doing what you said, Kelly. They're volunteering to keep busy because they can't travel to keep busy because they can't afford it because they can't afford it based on the pension or the little bit of um, income that they're getting off of their savings every year. Uh, and again, like I said, it just keeps going down, you know? Um, so that's why I'm all over real estate and I'm an advocate for it. I think people, that's why I'm doing this podcast. I think people really need to know that there are so many different ways you can find financial security, but it does mean you have to take a chance. You do have to overcome that fear. Sometimes it's through education. Sometimes it's through working with a partner. And then there's one other thing that you mentioned too during the call that I didn't get a chance to uh, touch on. I just wanted to highlight as well is that, you know, you said some people, you know, you know, we talked about doing a drastic change. Some people, you know, maybe it was a couple that kept their jobs and did it on the side and that's okay too. And that's where kind of coaching and having a network support people around you kind of helps a little bit because everybody's situation is different. You were, a self-employed working mom, you couldn't do what, you know, two, two working couples can, or, you know, two people as a couple working can do because you didn't have that T4 income. You didn't qualify for a mortgage. So the only way for you to tap into some equity was to sell your home. So everybody's situation is different, you know, and those two situations are different than my kid or your kid. That's going to be old enough to buy a home and you know, what can they do? So ultimately, um, you know, there is no, and that's what I love too about real estate is that you can slice the cake so many different ways. Um, and I just want to put that out there. You know, you just have to have a leap of faith, get the education, the training to show you what you need to do and then take that leap of faith. Yeah. It's an important thing. I'm really glad you mentioned that because yeah, I know as many people that have made really good returns and built their wealth in real estate, not through managing a single tenant or a single property. You know, most of my deals, like I said, I had enough money in my first deal from selling my house to, you know, for down payments and rental money on my first two properties. Almost. I had to borrow some for my second one. Everything I've done since then um, has primarily been done through joint ventures or private money lending. So if you're someone who's got some money saved in RSP, you know, when I was in the industry, part, partly it was our licensing at that time, which most financial advisor offices are licensed the same way. If someone had said, oh, can I use my RSPs to invest in real estate, to invest in mortgages? I would have said, no, that's not a thing. Um, I've borrowed millions of dollars from private investors, just regular everyday, you know, people anywhere from, you know, $10,000 to I think 120 was my biggest one at a time loan so far to do some of these renovation projects and acquisitions and things like that. So there's lots of ways that you can make money in real estate without having to go and 
you know, find properties and handle renovations and deal with contractors and all the rest of it. There's lots of passive ways too. So I'm glad you mentioned that because, um, yeah, you know, as much as I've benefited from my real estate, I've also been able to help a lot of other passive investors, the term we use, you know, they're doing it passively, um, help them accelerate their timeline to retirement as well. So lots of different ways you can do it. You're absolutely right. A hundred percent. Well, listen, Kelly, um, what a great conversation we had. And I love how, you know, you wanted to come to the table and highlight how your primary residence just isn't enough anymore for retirement. And uh, that is the hard truth. And I hope, um, you know, we have some listeners out there that are going to maybe see things a little bit differently now, um, you know, a little bit differently than we were taught growing up, you know, um, and, and how it's just not enough anymore. It really isn't. So um, before we go, I want to thank you for being here. Thank the listeners for listening. I couldn't do this without any one of you uh, participating and being on. If you're listening and you enjoyed the show, don't forget to hit the like button. Um, You can also subscribe to the podcast and don't forget to hit that notification bell so that you get notified when we launch the next episode. And also you can always share it too for your network uh, because there are a lot of people out there um, who should be hearing these things. This is the hard truth, uh, you know, just so that they can enrich their lives as well. So I appreciate the support from Kelly and my listeners. Thank you to you all. Lots of kisses. Um, Kelly, if people want to reach out to you and find out more about what you're doing, like you said, you've enriched people, um, through passive investing and, and, uh, pairing up and JVing with passive investors, and now you're going into development. So if they wanted to reach out to you, how can they do that, honey? Definitely reach out to me. Most direct way is through my email, which is just info at whitecapproperties.ca. Um, and yeah, I'm happy to talk with anyone uh, to help them figure out how they can get started. If you're someone who, like me, had lots of equity in your home, but maybe you don't want to sell your home, um, you know, I can I can tell you some ways that, to access that equity and maybe turn it into something more. Um, but yeah, happy to chat with anyone. So info at whitecapproperties.ca is the best place to reach me. Okay, so that's I-N-F-O at W-H-I-T-E-C-A-P-P-R-O-P-E-R-T-I-E-S dot C-A, guys. It will be in the show notes down below. If you're watching this on YouTube, it'll be in the, in the comments below. And also, we have Kelly's About Kelly Wagner page on our website. That link also will be down there below. So um, check her out. Check out her bio. And guys... Thank you again, Kelly. Thank you to the audience. Again, lots of kisses. Until next time, this is Thank Danielle. You, Danielle. Cha- this is Danielle Chason for the Let's Get Real Estate podcast. This is where we showcase real people doing real estate. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast and congratulations on improving your education real estate. Please leave a review only if you felt we provided value as it would really help us if you would leave a five-star review so that we can help reach a broader audience. And don't forget to comment what you enjoyed and tell us what you're looking to learn more about. As always, thanks for your support and we'll see you on the next episode.